Hey, my name's Caleb. I'm the student pastor here, um, and I'm super glad you came tonight. I'm glad you experienced uh, turkey bowling. I'm glad no one died. Like, it was a good night overall so far. Uh, I'm going to share with you just a little bit. We're in the middle of this series. Actually, we're at the end of this series um, called Impossible, where we're looking at this guy who, who is in God's Word. His name is John. He wrote this recording of all God did, Jesus do, the person of God here on earth, and and he records in the beginning of John um, seven miracles that you and me would look at and we would simply say, man, that's impossible. Like, how would that happen? And he says, yet yeah, these actually, there's evidence, there's proof that they happened. And so we, we've been looking at them. And tonight we're gonna look at the seventh one of those recordings that he put down we'd call a miracle. And this is probably the biggest miracle that, that he records Jesus doing. But it's also the one that, that in order for it to take place, uh, there had to be a lot of people um, that were really hurt um, in the process. And so um, he didn't cause the hurt. Because of their hurt, then a miracle could come out of that. And so we're going to kind of bust into that um, tonight. I'm going to pray for us real quick. So if you pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for uh, tonight. I thank you um, just f- for the fun with people that mean something to us, and God, we ask that, um, I just ask that you uh, would, would show yourself to be good and mighty and powerful and just and holy, and God, that you would help us to understand your word and through me, God, you'd move in really powerful ways, ways we're not really expecting, God, that you would do big things um, in these short moments. Uh, God, give us focus, give us understanding, um, God, for those in the things or have big doubts, God, would you just be uh, kind of blessing them tonight? Um, we love you. Be in this time. Amen. <clears throat> uh, so I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. I, maybe some of you heard this. Maybe you haven't. First year of ministry. It was the summer of my first year of ministry. I was, I was uh, as a student pastor. I was at home. Um, I was in Texas. That's where I, I was born and raised. Um, and that's where I was doing ministry at. And uh, I remember sitting like at my parents' house after I got done on a Wednesday night doing some like stuff with students. And I was talking to my mom about the summer and about how church was going and all of this. And, and I get a phone call um, from my dad and he says, hey, you and your mom need to get in the car and you need to come and meet me at this gas station. Uh, your brother has been in a car wreck. And so my brother uh, was a sheriff's deputy um, he was riding with his partner. He was taking his partner home. His partner was getting off duty. He was, and he was riding down um, Highway Six, like kind of like um, I don't know, kind of like the bypass a little bit. But but uh, it was like Battlefield, but like a highway version of Battlefield. <clears throat> so there's gas stations and stuff. And so he's going about 60 miles an hour <clears throat> in a car to turn into the gas station. Uh, he was going this way. The car was coming this way. They decided they're going to turn in, but instead of like coming and then turning, they decided they were going to kind of just veer into oncoming traffic and then like turn. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, they didn't make it and they hit my brother in a head-on collision. And so they were going an hour, he was going about 60, it was a hundred mile an hour car wreck. Um, the gas station attendant said no one uh, hit their brakes, didn't see anyone hit their brakes. My brother um, in the car wreck, he broke his neck. Uh, he had a concussion that was so bad, it, it caused a and uh, he was life-flighted um, to the hospital 
Uh, the two people in the other car, one had a broken back, one had a broken femur, um, and then his partner died instantly on impact. Uh, and so my dad says, hey, I need you to come to um, this gas station is where I'm at. And so we show up, and, and in the moment I see the car wreck, I see my brother's partner, um, I just see the sadness of the moment. And, and it's in that moment, right? Sadness comes over me, and fear comes over me, and anger comes over me. Um, it's in that moment where I begin to say, like, God, where, where were you? Like, why, why would you let this happen? Um, what, what, why does this guy that's um, one of my good friends and my brother's best friend, um, why did he have to die? Like, why does this have to happen? And, and I know that, like, even as I share this, that some of you, like, you know the feeling I'm um, because you've maybe had similar feelings, like maybe not that situation, but, but, but where in a moment's notice, right, this is how life works, in a moment's notice, everything's going good, and then you get a phone call, or you get a text message, or you get news from your parents. Um, moment, everything changes. It's almost like time stops, and you remember even right now exactly where you were and almost even what you were wearing. And I remember from that day that my feet were super dirty because we were playing volleyball out in this, this like kind of grassy dirt. I was wearing like flip-flops afterwards, and so I showed up at the hospital. And my feet were like filthy. Like, I remember little details. Like, you remember these moments. And it's these moments where, like, like me, like, the, 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 there's a, a, a number of things that come over you. <clears throat> and I think it's also in these moments, though, where, where we have this, this tendency to want to look to God and question his heart. Like, I, I think even some of you are here right now where you question the heart of God. Is he? Because I look around and in my mind, things don't seem to make sense sometimes that God is actually good and that he actually loves me. I mean, the things that I look back on my history, the transcript of my life says, man, God isn't is or as loving as the Bible may say he is. <clears throat> and it's in these moments where we question the heart of God. And in this miracle that I'm gonna share with you, it, that's kind of sets the scene for them. That they're in a moment where they see like us, just to question the heart of God. It's, it's John chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. I would encourage you not to open your phone up just because TikTok and Instagram and text messages are a big deal. <clears throat> it says this. <clears throat> if you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen. It says, now a man Lazarus, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Marthy, Martha. Marthy. And Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. You can find that in chapter 12, actually. This is chapter 11. And it was her brother sick. And so it was Mary and Martha, and like me and my situation, their brother had gotten really sick. And obviously, it's not like today, like, oh, you're sick. No, like then, they're like, they don't have doctors and medicine and stuff. Like, you get sick, you may live, you may not. And so the sisters sent a message to Jesus Lord, the one you love is sick. And so on their end, they know, okay, we know Jesus. We know he loves us. We love them. They had a personal relationship. Like they actually knew who Jesus was. They saw him heal people. They saw him cure blind people. They saw him um, cure. So they knew and they had a relationship. They knew Jesus loved them. They loved Jesus. And so they sent a message to Jesus. <clears throat> they said, yo, the one you love is sick. They don't even mention his name because that's how well known he is. And so this messenger goes to Jesus and in verse four, it says, heard the message. 
He said, the sickness will not end in death. He's telling the messenger this. He says, but it's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so he looks at me and says, hey, just know the sickness is not going to end in death. It's actually for the glory of God that, that revealed and seen that people would know exactly who I am because of Lazarus' Lazarus's sickness. <coughs> now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So this all made sense at this point. Jesus loves Jesus, he's going to obviously do the things that make me feel comfortable. He's going to help me out in my situation, in my time of need. And then verse six, it doesn't make sense. He says, and so when he heard that Lazarus was two more days in the place where he was. Like Jesus, you hear that I'm in need. Don't stay two more days. Like get up and come help me. That's why I sent you a message. But no, Jesus stays two more days. See, often we equate love with comfort. And so we would say, God, you love us when you keep me comfortable. And the way that I love the people around me is I keep emotionally, spiritually comfortable. I, I, I do the things, hey, you're cold, I got a jacket. Hey, you're discouraged, I'm going to encourage. Hey, like, I got your back, like, I'm gonna defend you, I'm gonna be with you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna laugh with you and cry with you. Like, the love to people around us is by keeping them comfortable. And so often, we come to God and we say, the way that God is going to show his love to us is by his comfort for us in this place, in this moment right now, right? And so, Jesus doesn't make us comfortable. Our tendency is to say, therefore, he does not love us. But here's the deal with God. He doesn't equate love with comfort. He equates trust. He says the way that we receive, that God receives our love is by our trusting him. He says, now I'm gonna give you opportunities to trust me. So the love I have for God then, the relationship you have with God then, is not proven when you feel his presence and when everything is comfortable. The way that your relationship is really strengthened is proven in his perceived absence. When you feel like God is not around and when things are uncomfortable, the way that you still love and you still praise him. That's how your relationship is made known, right? But that's a because we are people who what? Love comfort. And Mary and Martha were no different. It says that he, he, tells, um, he tells them this, like, hey, and he stays for two more days. Like, tell him, it's a second days for two more days. And in verse seven, it says, and then after that, he said to his disciples, all right, let's go to Judea again. Let's go to this place. Now, here's the thing about Judea. The last time they were there, they almost died. And his disciples say, man, no, we can't go there. We're gonna die. And he responds in verse 11. He says, and he told the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. And then the disciples said to him, Lord, he has fallen asleep. He'll get well, like sleeping's good for the sick. And Jesus responded in verse 14. He says, so Jesus then told them, like you need a, I need you to hear that for a second. Jesus, in their confusion, told them plainly. Like you need to know something about the heart of God. See, the heart of God is not to leave you in confusion. God is not a God of confusion. 
He's a God of clarity. Like God's desire for you is to have clarity in his work and presence and purpose in your life. And so oftentimes we think, man, God, you're hiding from me. I'm, I'm confused. Like what, what, what is this about? God is not, that's not his heart for you. He doesn't desire his children to be living in confusion. It's in clarity, and you see it right here. It says, and then he told them plainly, no, Lazarus has died. And it makes me feel a little bit better that these dudes that spent all the time with Jesus actually do. But, but I need you to hear this. In their confusion, they continued to seek Jesus out for answers. They didn't abandon him. Just hear that. When we say, man, I'm uncomfortable, God, you let this happen, is to then say, so either you do it my way, God, or I'm out, and we abandon God. But that's not what the disciples did. In fact, they found clarity when they continued to pursue God. And they said, man, in my confusion, I'm gonna continue to run to you, and what did God do? them plainly. That's the heart of Jesus. Not to hide his purpose from you, but to reveal it. The second thing is this, that you can kind of see in here. God for everything. See, when he answered them plainly, he says, I'm glad for you. He said, Jesus died, or, or I mean, he says, he told them plainly, Lazarus has died. In verse 15, he says, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there for that, that you may believe him. He says, man, I'm actually glad that Lazarus died and I wasn't there so that now you may believe deeper about who I am. See, the second thing you see about God's heart, and I just need you to understand, especially in the situations you may be going through that are causing you to question God's love for you, is that he uses all things. He uses all things as an opportunity that you would see and believe. It doesn't mean he causes all things. No, but he says, man, you in a sinful world, happen to you that you don't deserve. Things are gonna happen to you that you didn't cause. And he says, man, my heart for you is that you would understand and know that I have a plan behind everything. I can use even the sinful things that happen to you and I can use them for your That I have a plan behind these things that nothing comes at me by surprise. Nothing is like, oh shoot, I didn't see that one coming. Like, ah, how do we cover that up? Like, that's never God. He has a plan behind everything. Hard for you is that you would trust him in that, that in those hard moments you would see his graciousness and his goodness and you would see some of his plan. And I'm not talking about like the hard moments where you're like, yo, I snuck out of my house three times this week and so now I'm thing and this is a hard moment for me. No, that was self-induced. I'm talking about the moments where you say, God, where were you in this? God, why did this happen? God, why did you let this happen? uses all things as an opportunity that you would see and believe him. Verse 17, it says, and when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So you need to hear this. When the messenger came to Jesus, like a day's journey away, he, he walked a day, Jesus says, hey, tell him, this isn't gonna end in sickness. He walked back a day. He goes to him, he says, Martha, Mary, where's Lazarus? Let me tell you, it's not gonna end in death. The sickness, Jesus told me, they looked at the messenger and they said, yo, bro, he died two days ago when you left. And two days later, Jesus comes. And so Jesus gives them a message that doesn't even make sense considering the circumstances. Like, I just need you to hear that. 
those are some of the messages that God gives us sometimes. That you look around and you're like, no, that couldn't ever work because that's impossible. And Jesus says, man, I am the God of impossible. Like whatever's in your life right now. Like the things that you're like, ah, up and like, man, like it'd be impossible for them to get back together. It'd be impossible for God to resolve anything. He's the God of the impossible. But you don't know the scars I have in my life and the things that I, I like I can never, it's gonna be detrimental. Yeah, that'll have an effect on your entire life, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be the thing that, that hinders you your whole life. Like, like you'll grow out of that. Like God can cause that. Like God can heal that work in that. And so when Jesus arrived, he found Lazarus dead in the tomb for four days. Verse 19 and 20, it says, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them about their brother. And as soon as Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And then in verse 21, it says, and then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You jump to verse 25, and Jesus said to her, I'm the and I am the life, and, I'm the, and the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So he comes, comes to Martha, and he says, no, I want you to understand who I am. I'm the one that gives eternal life among all things. That you tell me if I would have been here, you would have been more comfortable and this would have been, no, 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 no. Life. Here's the interesting part. This conversation with Martha would have never happened had Lazarus never died. But yet, it took a really hard moment for her to go through to see a life-changing truth. God uses really hard moments in our life and really hard circumstances to invade your reality. Like I just need you to hear that. He uses our circumstances to invade reality. He uses the really hard things to say, you know, let me show you who I am. Like, let me capture your attention for a minute. Let me pull you out of, of this everyday go through the motions and let me show you something moment or a hard moment. He says, but man, let me use it. Like sinful things are going to happen, but man, let them not go to waste. Let me use it. That you would hear and you would see. And then he asked her, he says, everyone who lives will never die. And then he looks at her and he says, do you believe this? This is an invitation says, do you believe this? Not to join in, in, in what God would do in eternity, like I was part of it. Not to make things comfortable right now, but he was saying, man, do you believe that from this moment on, like I could change everything about your life, that your life no longer depends on whether your heart is beating or not, but I give eternal life. There's this invitation, he says, man, well, you want to join me in this? You want to join me in what's going on? Man, I can hear you, so that's cool. And in verse 33, Jesus saw her crying. Listen to this. So they go, Mary comes out, they're there. It says, and when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved 
gets troubled. He says, man, where have you put him? So he looks at Mary and Martha and he says, man, where have you put Lazarus? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And listen, shortest verse in the Bible. Oh, eye opening to Jesus' heart. He looks at him and, he, and Jesus wept. He sees their pain. He sees their heartache. He doesn't come at them with criticism. He doesn't come at them with like, you should be better than this. You should trust me more than this. I can heal him, that I'm gonna raise him. No, he sees their pain, and like a good father, he says, man, your pain, like I feel your pain, and he weeps with them. And that's Jesus' heart. Love that God has for us, that he sees your pain and he's not unaffected, but that he's deeply affected by his children's pain, by your pain. That's how involved he is. He's compassionate. Just know that whatever you've got going on, whatever rebellion you've had in your life, where you've said, man, I've ran to Jesus and then I've run away and then I've ran to him and I've run away. Would he ever take, no, Jesus is compassionate. He says, man, would you come to me? Would you repent? Would you believe? And he's compassionate. Verse 38 and 39, and he says, and Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and there's a stone lying against it, and he says, remove the stone. And Jesus, uh, the, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there's already a stench because he's been dead for four days. If you have the King James Version, it says, Martha said, yo, he stinketh. Um, <clears throat> interesting, just a little fact. And then in verse 41, it says, remove the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe you sent me. So he's just talking to, to God, the Father. And after he said this, he shouted out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out and he bound his hands and his foot in linen strips and his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. And he comes out. And he comes out. And in the end, you see God's purpose behind it. Like they realize, man, Jesus was here to reveal something about himself. That in the hard moments in life, that there's, like Jesus allows things to happen, but he always has a plan. Like, let me show you something. If you would open your eyes, if you'd run to me in that pain and in that confusion, like, let me show you something. So you go back to my brother's wreck. <clears throat> my brother, um, he goes to the hospital. His neck, they begin to do a lot of x-rays and MRIs and all that. Um, well, what they find is they find that he has thyroid cancer. It's a cancer that they would have never found had he never broken his neck and had the, his partner never died. And it's an aggressive that if not caught soon, will go to your lymph nodes and, and literally the life expectancy is two years from the moment you find the cancer to the moment you die. So to this day, had that wreck never happened, had my brother's partner never died, my Now, I don't know why my brother's partner had to die. But I do see how God has used it. I do see that God had a plan in all of it. That he allowed something that felt really hard and is still really hard to be something that was actually like also a blessing tied into a deep tragedy. And then he's used it over and over again that, that I would be able to 
and share about it and tell you, man, God has a plan behind the things that we don't understand. And yet, even though I see some of the blessings in the plan, I still don't understand all the things that had to happen in that. But you know why I don't understand all the things that had to happen in that? It's because I'm not But God has allowed me to understand, I believe, all that my mind could actually comprehend because he knows how big my mind is. And then I trust him with the rest of it. And the same is for you. Comprehend and understand all that our minds could possibly comprehend. And the rest, he says, why don't you trust me with it, that I am God and that I'm good. What you see and in the scripture is right there, right? You have an opportunity to trust him in the midst of every circumstance. He says, and I'm trustworthy. Would you know my heart? I'm compassionate. I don't illusion. I have a plan behind it all and, and it's out of love that I'm working that you may see and you may believe. So as we find ourselves in, in Martha's with an invitation, do you believe and do you trust him? I know some of you, like you've been walking doubt about God's heart for you. And even in these moments and tonight when you're alone, getting ready to go to sleep, tomorrow, getting ready for school, there's gonna need to be some conversations. Like Mary and like Martha, you're honest. You run before Jesus and you say, Jesus, if you had been there, God, I don't understand your plan. Open my eyes to you. Help me trust you. That you would experience the compassion, the love, and the grace of Jesus that he has over you. The adoring. You would experience that. Some of you just need to realize he's a God you don't have to run from, but that you should run to. He loves you deep. He cares deeply for you. I go to community groups for like 15 minutes because turkey bowling took forever. And we're going to take some time where you can just kind of talk through, what does this mean for you? Like, what, what are some of the big things going on in your life? Possible things. Where can Jesus be at work? If you've never been here before, you've never done that, we're gonna split into a senior group, a junior group, a sophomore group, and a ninth grade group. If you don't know where you need to go, come find me. Otherwise, just follow your friends and you'll figure it out. We thank you for this time. I ask you to bless these groups. God, we thank you for the invitation. And in the midst of the confusing and the hard circumstances that we can run to you. God, you're a God who weeps with us who loves us, who's personal. God, thank you for being close. Thank you for offering eternal life that we may have should we believe and trust. God, would you in Jesus' name, amen.